So the first thing I say, paralysis by analysis. When you're from an educated background or a data-driven background, you are paralyzed because you have the ability to go 15 steps ahead, looking at every data, every point, and you need to do so. But once you keep doing that, keep doing, you talk yourself down. So, David, there's almost a battle on a daily basis or an hourly basis in my head. There's a, and this is a question I get. Can that street uh, smart Pradeep, do I bring him up or do I bring that PhD Oxford Harvard Pradeep up? And, and it comes down to risk appetite. And almost every time I take a risk, is that street smart Pradeep who's taking those questions. You know, I say life is black and white for most, but I operate in the gray, right? Operating the gray is very, very important, right? You know, I say to people, I've seen street hustlers to Nobel Prize winners to billionaire CEOs. The first thing I talk about is risk appetite. They all take risk. And once you are highly educated or data-driven, it's very important. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but you tend to take less risk because you're trained to be risk-averse. So you tend to analyze more. And business is about, it all comes down to risk. The more risk you take in a calculated manner, the bigger the reward. Welcome to this new episode of Papa PhD. Today, I'm super, super happy to be talking, you know, across the pond with London with Pradeep Kumar Sasidharan. Pradeep has a, a, a very interesting story. Uh, Pradeep went from teenage gangster, high school dropout, to award-winning scientist at Harvard in seven years. He then went on to discover drugs and become VP of a biotech with a revenue of $1.6 billion. He then challenged the system, quit his career, and founded his own eight-figure company. And uh, today... I have the pleasure then of having Pradeep here to talk about his outlook on his journey and on the obstacles that PhD can find to accelerating their career and their talent. Pradeep, welcome to Papa PhD. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm actually really, really looking forward to it. Uh, I'm normally on business or e-commerce or life or <laughs> risk management podcast. So it, it be, it's good to give back to the science community and particularly to those PhD postdoc kind of community as well. So I'm, I'm actually very excited. Thank you so much. Well, it's, it's, it goes both ways. I'm super excited you're here. And um, so you have, a, you have a, a very rich story, rich in terms of the gamut of things that happened and that you, you had to face and, that, and that of obstacles you actually uh, overcame during, during your, your last few years, let's say before your PhD, during and after. Today, of course, we're going to focus on PhD to postdoc to what came after. Uh, but just just because I mentioned all these things, uh, can you just take a, a minute to tell people maybe where they can you know go listen to your story to the rest of your story uh, if they're interested uh, to to learning it, and also maybe share something else about yourself about what motivates you to do what you do today. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, I mean, um, if you want to listen to my story, it's PK Sassy Darren. Um, that's the YouTube channel. I I don't do a personal podcast, but I appear on a lot of other podcasts, and you can hear my story. Um, so that's out there. Um, what I do now is just try to get as many podcasts as I can. It has been a very colorful life. I try to inspire, particularly the young kids um, and certain communities, and try to help and serve. And just to tell people to take risks, do something different, uh, follow your passions, be very aware of certain things, um, uh, a certain mindset, and just to help. Uh, so that's what I do, um, and that's why I'm here. And I'm, I'm particularly, particularly uh, interested to helping out uh, PhD scientists who have the ability and talent, but they're just a bit lost. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's a difference between intellect, as I say, uh, knowledge and awareness total difference mm -hmm. and uh, you you need to actually decipher those things and just channel them and know where you can actually flourish and sometimes um academic or biotech uh, career is not is not for everyone mm -hmm. and you, you should be able to pivot as well I, I love it and it's true it's funny and it's not funny it's interesting and, and i'm glad that you mentioned awareness because this idea of being lost it's something i went through it's something i know people are going through in every you know cohort of people that are going into and, and coming out of PhDs, but awareness it, it feels to me that uh, is key, and that 
you you can easily as you go through your graduate school uh, adventure or journey your awareness can start to close down to just your thesis and and you you kind of blocking yourself from having a more you know a more uh, a more wide view on things in terms of what you're doing in terms of the people you're meeting and having conversations with but also in terms of time of how much you're looking into the future you can get really focused in the in physically and also in terms of of uh, the the time frame that you are are giving awareness to so i'm super super happy you you uh, you mentioned that and i'm really curious to to hear what you have to say of your experience dealing with that but also your re- your reflections and and what type what sort of uh, advice you have for young phd's out there yeah so if you i mean you're totally right if you track back you know um at Oxford, I managed to get up to Oxford. You can hear my life story on other podcasts. I was super tunnel vision focused. Yeah. You know, I won all the awards, won everything, 24 hours in the lab, done the high networking, went around the world, conferences. You know, I was I was just vroom, right? Laser focus. Uh, and, uh, laser focus. And you get into this kind of grind. You get into like, oh, I want the nature papers, science papers, the cell papers. I want this impact factor. I want to know this fellowship, that fellowship. Then at the end, I realized awareness-wise, you know, I was working in a very niche field, right? Um, I'm like, hey, you know, you've got here so far because you knew two things. You knew yourself and you knew what the perception was. It's all perception. Mm-hmm. So I realized that you, know, you need to know your strengths and you need to know your weaknesses. So what I did was I didn't like the traditional two postdocs, maybe a professorship, um, right? So I was still focused, but there was an internal tick urge to be ambitious, but to scale at the ferocious level. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just didn't want to be 40 or 45, uh, take 13, 40, 10 to 13 years of two or three postdocs, and then might have a chance uh, to do a professor and a lab um, Call it arrogance, call it confidence, call it ego. I thought I was good enough to be a, a lab leader. So this is where the awareness kicked in. I said, okay, I need these things to progress. So instead of doing a traditional postdoc, I started writing for fellowships. Okay. Right? Short, short fellowships. Very short term blitz. Go to the best lab, learn something, come back. Go to the best lab, learn something, come back. That means that the income was not steady. Mm, right? Everyone thought, everyone thought I was crazy. I was traveling <laughs> the world. In between, I had like no job, but I secured an honorary position, right? Okay. So the first fellowship was a Fulbright, got it, went to Harvard, nine months, came back. Got another fellowship called the EMBO Fellowship. Um, got that, went to um, the Sorbonne in Paris. You know, the credentials were great now, mm-hmm. but everyone's like, oh my God, look at the credentials. But I was dead broke <laughs> and I came back. And the third fellowship, my best ever, was in Israel. Love Israel as a country. Went there for a month or so. So I was very target, laser focused in learning techniques mm-hmm. in the niche. So I bring the CV together for for application. Okay. So that was my first kind of. I always done things untraditionally, but this was the first thing saying, "Hey, let's not do a traditional postdoc, but let's learn techniques that are very unique to bring to the table." So if you're a young PhD, that might be a way to accelerate the career by not just doing a traditional postdoc in one period, but going to labs, networking, actually finding right techniques for certain logical steps of experiments, mm-hmm. right? So I did those, wrote the fellowship, got blitz and rejected. They're like, no chance, you're still young, you have no postdoc experience, it's only two years or 18 months you've been doing this, right? I'm like, okay. So that's when I made, you know, I always say now, life is a numbers game, a sales game, and a risk game, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I made 272 phone calls. Oh, wow. Um, and one guy picked up um, in China. Uh, he read the application and he's like, come over to Suzhou. And just after two years, two and a half years of my uh, PhD, I, I was assistant professor. I had my lab. I had a lot of funding. And I was actually discovering the drugs based on the techniques I was doing. So I had a PhD student. The, the labs were growing. So... Again, acceleration just through sheer willpower and effort, but doing something different, yeah. right? So I got the techniques, but I went to a place where you, the talent was needed. Of course. So I always say this to uh, students and young people, you have a very unique set of talents, but you need to find where your talent's needed. Mm-hmm. 
are required. And that might actually require you to actually move countries yes. or, or go to somewhere that's uncomfortable. And I guarantee you, if it doesn't kill you, it does make you stronger. <laughs> and it was, a, it was a blitz in China and a great time. And then what happened, and we'll stop there if you have any questions, but uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's about doing things differently and understanding where your strengths and weaknesses are. Mm-hmm. It does it does feel to me like like yeah you you tend to go like unconventional, and uh, it it ended up uh, so you did this kind of brute force two uh, hundred and something calls uh, that that led you to that one call. Uh, but I what I feel is uh, you were quite young indeed, uh, you know when that happened. So there's some there's some liberty for you to experiment and to go to a, another country far far away which if you maybe follow the the traditional path and then you do one postdoc two two postdocs you might be thinking of i want to stabilize i want a steady income i want a family and then you can't do these things anymore so it does feel like there's a question of um you know you being a little bit adventurous I, I I wonder if if you accept this <laughs> this adjective, but also you were very your intent was very also laser pointed, and so you were able to to say okay I want to turn the page as fast as I can, and you found a way through that process of getting these fellowships, accruing these skills that were very specialized, and then finding the person who needed that. It feels very um, very. Uh, unconventional like i said but if you are if you are young and also i wonder um because in some places you you your phd takes I don't know, six years and it might be le- you might be less inclined at that moment to uh to go on into this adventure but here you're talking about a phd in the uk so it's yes so, so it's my, three years. my phd um, no, I took four years and I had well, a small fellowship years. after this, four and a half, four and a half, five years. Uh, but you're right. But um, even if you're young or not, I would get to, back to an older stage. I think, you know, as a scientist or as a training PhD or whatever, it comes down to data analytics and looking at the raw data in front of mm-hmm. you and being practical as possible. So as an exercise, as a, as a PhD educated person, you're practical, you're logical and so forth. But as a career, as, as, as a whole entity going forward, sometimes people are not practical at all. Mm. So everyday logic is not applied to a lifelong um, kind of learning and career development, right? Mm. So, so, so that's where you've got to say, okay, this is what I want and this is what I want in, in this number of years and how can I get there quickly as possible? I didn't want to turn the page. I wanted to read the book and just chuck it and get to another book. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my mindset. And that's always going to be my mindset, right? Yeah. Because, you know, life is short. I, I, you know, Rome was not built in a day. I get it. But I tell the kids now, don't listen to it. Because Rome, I think, was built in 1,200 years. You and I do not have that kind of time, <laughs> right? Right? If you want to look at history, you look at Cleopatra, conquered the known world in her time by 36, Alexander the Gate, 32. So these guys done so many things so quickly. Why can't you do a postdoc or a project or something and do unconventionally? But I understand the risk factors and what's involved. This is what I say to others who actually I talk to, say, hey, if it takes six years, it takes six years. But the, the question is, how do you use your data or whatever you've done, right, to make a unique selling point so you're actually attractive to the market? Right. If you want to stay in academia, that's fine. If you want to stay in biotech, that's fine. But how are you uniquely attractive, and where are you uniquely going? Mm-hmm. That is the key, right? Yeah. And how do you market yourself as scientists? We might not be able to, or if they all oh, you articulate, you're communicative, you do these things. But how do you do that? And then you can stay in your field or stay in your country or whatnot, but use that to a special angle. Know your strengths, know your weaknesses, right? I agree. And also, and and also, I'm a big believer, as a scientist particularly, or whatever, PhD, academia, you should have a side hustle. Um, and that we can get into how I go into other things after my science, but additional income is actually very important. Uh, the way we're told as scientists, we have freedom, so we have to have less money and so forth. Mm-hmm. It, it just doesn't work. I mean, I have friends, uh, David, who had 
I had one of the brightest guys I knew at Oxford had an opportunity to go Harvard, right? Full postdoc, everything. He couldn't take it because he, even if his wife came over, they couldn't afford childcare, right? And some people are contemplating, hey, shall I take, shall my wife go to a postdoc with me or shall she stay at home and do um, childcare? Because it's cheaper to stay at home instead of going to a postdoc position, right? So even if you're doing these things, you take those risks or you be aggressive, but I also believe you need a side hustle or a side plan as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that kind of gives you freedom to choose and freedom to actually, um, you know, uh, carve a path that's very unique to yeah. you. And that goes back to the awareness because, again, I think w- when we get into graduate school, uh, it's easy to, there's this kind of... Mm, messaging that we receive even if it's passively that okay now during these years you should, should focus just on this like you said don't expect too much remuneration this is you know it's uh, you're doing this for science you're doing this for for uh, knowledge and uh, it's a it's a life of sacrifice and then in the end you'll have uh, you'll have a degree and i agree with you this aspect like you said for example of having a side hustle um I, I usually talk about it in a different way, but it, I think it's it's kind of in the same tone, which is you need to somehow keep an eye out for what's happening outside the walls of the lab. And that is people are, you know, the, the, the economy is moving, the, ca- the calendar year is going, and you're getting closer and closer to the day you have that degree. And one day you'll you'll want to have a family, and one day you'll want to have uh, you know buy the place where you live or whatever. And this awareness of the big picture can allow you to start preparing for that right away, and not wait to the by the end of your of your graduate school experience. And having a, a side hustle or having a side project. Imagine having like like uh, like Papa PhD. This I didn't do Papa PhD during my PhD, but. Some people have a podcast while they do their PhD. Some people have some sort of platform that they that they are, I don't know, writing about their subject or about their industry. So that also can count as a side hustle, in my opinion, right? What do you think? Absolutely, absolutely. Whatever that allows your brand as an individual to get out, I think that's very important. And also, if you feel that people are coming to you and say, hey, here's some opportunity, open your eyes and say, and you know what, let's take it. So I'll give you an example. When I was doing these very successful things in China, uh, we had a CEO in a biotech saying, hey, you want to come over and expand business in Europe? I had no clue what business was. I had no clue what profit and loss statement was, EBITDA, SDE, M&A, nothing. I'm a scientist. I, I'm a, I was very good at what I do, uh, what I done and so forth. I just said, okay, cool. Uh, but but I told them, you will still, I still need to do R&D. Became vice president, business development, grew the business 80%. We can talk numbers and experience later on, but opened a whole new world. Still doing the science, but doing it in a biotech way. So you're using your knowledge to get something else, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. More money, more freedom is a great opportunity. So even in graduate school, I think you should just get out there and say, hey, what's out there? Because you know, I've been in those intense environments at Oxford and Harvard, those uh, fellowship programs, those career talks. It's always tunnel vision. Even the professors, I'm telling you, they might be the brightest individuals you might meet, but trust me, there's a lot of brighter individuals out there. Mm-hmm. But it's just the ability to be like this. I mean, life is not like that. And trust me, you can have 10 nature papers. You can even have a Nobel Prize. In the grand scheme of history, it means nothing, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> It really does. Only a few people really exist. And that's the Newtons, the Einsteins, the Marie Curies. Those are the people that really exist. And you might do something brilliant. I'm not saying you can't, but you got to go out there and say, hey, this is a practical thing. I love what I do and I'm trying to serve. and commit. But then there's another practical thing saying, I need to feed my family. Mm-hmm. I need to make some money. I need to actually move towards a goal where I can have shelter and some bit of freedom because this is a waiting issue. You can't just give here and just not take there, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's a, it's a fine balance. And knowing that awareness is very important and knowing the opportunity is very important. And also what I want to talk to you about is this thing about ego and identity. Yes. Like if mm-hmm. I'm stay saying, hey, I'm smart. I am a doctor. I went to Oxford. I went to Harvard. I am this. 
it, it's almost like and you're surrounded by those individuals. So your identity and your ego are almost like telling you to go to one certain path, right? Mm-hmm. But you really need to pull that away and say, hey, I am all these things, but there's all other things out there as well. Yeah. Right. And, and, and that's the problem. I think a lot of highly educated PhDs uh, from top people down to all, even any other school say, this is what I need to do. And this is the next career step. This is what I have to do. You need to pull that out. And that's, that's not a graduate school thing. That's a mindset thing. That's mm-hmm. up here. Mm-hmm. You need to wake up and go to bed thinking, is there something else I'm thinking differently? And how do I just cancel out mm-hmm. what I think I am? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's how, you know, I started a side hustle during the pandemic, started selling toys. Okay. So, you know, <laughs> and the whole, the whole, my family, my professors, everyone around me thought I was absolutely crazy, <laughs> but I knew business by then. Um, I just went and took that risk and, you know, I never looked back. So you really need to uh, pull away from that ego and identity. No matter what you do, even if you're listening this to podcast, you're not a PhD person or whatnot, you really need to uh, differentiate between the ego and identity. So w- one thing that I, I, let's, let's stick with the identity idea, because I think it's really important. And it's, it's funny because now I'm, I'm thinking and I'm, I'm often talking about academia as if it's kind of a, an entity that has this kind of, uh, this kind of, you know, very uh, dogmatic, discourse and that kind of has this messaging of all you need to do is research don't think about anything else in your life while you're doing your phd and and you're talking about the diversity of people that are out there and of course in academia there are awesome professors and there are great institutions but uh but as a culture as a culture as as an ancient culture there is there is this um this this uh, tendency to uh if you are a young research student, especially if you are a first generation um, young uh, research, uh, you know, graduate students or, or graduate uh, researcher, you may be in awe of all this and think, I should, my, my identity should become, I am a young researcher. And this is, this is the center of my being and of my everyday. And the image that I, I've used with a, with, a few, with a few students not long ago was, Yes, when you're doing your when you you're in your graduate studies, you're kind of in this protected island, where uh, you'll if you if you lucky also depends on what domain you're working on, but you know you have your funding, you're kind of uh, not uh, you don't have to pay your taxes the same way as someone who has a job does, etc. You know that it's kind of a, a three to five to six years in this kind of protective bubble, but. But outside of the bubble, life goes on. The, the markets change. Uh, maybe uh, the job that you're going to have at the start of your PhD is now being created, is now appearing because there are new technologies. Uh, there are new problems appearing. Let's you know, think about climate change, uh, migrations, etc. You know, your place in in what comes after your PhD is something that is being negotiated now. And you should be aware of that again, awareness, <laughs> and and so identifying just with I'm this is what I am only while I'm in this PhD. While you might feel that if you do that, you are being uh, faithful and uh, a good you know team player with you know for your PI or for your institution, you're doing to my, in my opinion is is you're doing a disservice to yourself, and eventually to society because you'll come out of the PhD. And you'll have one or two years of being lost, of not contributing right away, and also of not having, you know, not not uh, having chances to get your finances as as they should be after such a uh, an arduous degree, etc. So, I I do think that yes, your your identity. So, being a researcher and a young researcher should be part of your identity, but you're also a citizen. You're also a, a human. You're also someone who needs eventually to contribute to society in a different way and who yeah. eventually won't be within the walls of uh, of university so you need to prepare for that yeah and 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 you know there's a couple of points here i want to make first of all if you're pi your group and you're, you're i don't know 
immunology mm. or physics or quantum physics or whatever, right? And there's a niche specialty. And everyone is like in a community, everyone knows each other's name. Everyone wants to be famous within that niche and that community. Okay, great. There might be a top 1% that will do that, right? Mm. And good for you. But it's not for everyone, mm-hmm. right? And also, you are highly talented, right? You are, I'm going to be very frank, brighter than most, mm. right? And you have the ability to communicate, to present data, to read data, to be creative, to actually understand uh, what's in front of you, apply it, use it, and actually help people, and then communicate and teach back to people and nurture the next generation. All those things can be applied to any other profession, any other profession. And all those things are needed by the world. So you can say, hey, I've got a PhD. I'm out, I'm going to finance, I'm going here. And then you look back and say, I'm so happy I did so, right? Mm -hmm. And life moves on, people forget you and so forth. And what I believe is uh, there's a lot of people who are really upset or very um, frustrated now looking back in 10 to 15 years because their ego made them stay there. Mm -hmm. And the ego made them say, this is the path, this is what you do, and eventually you'll get there. And eventually... It doesn't happen to most people. Now, I'm, as you know, I am sh- sheer world focused. And I tell people, if you have a goal, go for it. And I, I tell you, go for it, but be adaptable. Be adaptable and be, be changeable and say, hey, this might be working in graduate school. It might not be working. How do I have a unique selling point and then turn this around and maybe actually have several other things in play? And, and you're lucky as well now because you have so many other things, consulting, you have management ship program you have uh, actually you uh, you have uh, banks wanting phds from diverse sure. data um, science uh, and and all sorts of things now data stewardship is the the latest one that i've heard uh yeah. it, it's there's a lot, but one thing with ego one thing with ego is ego doesn't like to lose and ego at the end of a phd or a postdoc when you decide to leave has can have this feeling of okay i'm failing now if i'm if i leave this track it's failure and i think what we're saying here today is that it is not the world needs you outside the walls yeah, of yeah. university right yeah so this is this is why i say that the, uh, i i just had a conversation with yesterday the ego is actually your friend but you got to train it i say and uh, and at certain times it's like this right and you got to let it go you got to let it go and say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the best. I'm this, that. But then you got to retract it saying, hey, you know what? You got to cap it, right? And they say, you can go when I want you to go, but you have to come back when I do. And that's the thing because then you realize, then you're a winner because you realize your value is in certain areas and your value changes over time and the value you give to people changes over time as well. That's where the true, um, true, uh, true kind of, a control of the ego comes in because if you let that ego say you are one thing and you're not going for it, then you're lost. You're totally lost because it's going to control you. Um, and also don't listen to people around you. There be certain individuals who have the luck, the brains, the timing to get things done. And they're just on a linear pathway, right? They might just land with a certain experiment, a certain PI set, and, and they're gone. They might be not bright as you. They might not have the capabilities that you and you compare. But that's just something out of your control. The only thing you can control are the things you control and your mind and that ego. So you got to say these are the variables and the value I add is different. And it comes down to value proposition and what you actually bring and how you control that ego and identity. And, and, I, and that applies to anything, I believe, not just PhD. Or even after your PhD, you might say, hey, I'm, I'm a fantastic career but then i'm like hey can i change this career as well now about changing because that's it's perfect a perfect segue because that's where i was going you changed right you uh, you were in china you had this chance of as a researcher being given the opportunity of delving into business um how how was that how was you know you know taking that dive into waters that you didn't know because that can also be an obstacle not knowing the language not knowing the culture what can you share with people about that experience of being in a room and saying well i have a researcher background but i'm i'm you know i'm ready to contribute with my lot with my knowledge with my whole profile to this 
business venture or to this you know in the industry venture which is not exactly what i've been doing yeah so you're going to be in the room because someone's trust you you want relationships or there's trust there right and they you're in the room because someone or something believes in you or you believe in yourself and you again it comes down to a unique selling point and this is my value as a researcher i bring this i know how to do this business analyze this uh concept or look at this data set and this is how i will benefit you it's all about serving and others first before you benefit right mm-hmm. so that's number 1 number 2 again you got to have the risk game take risks go out there so what let them laugh at you let them fight you let them ignore you let them do whatever you want use a i use a google translator in my meetings <laughs> i didn't I, i did not give a monkeys what they thought of me right i use a google translator on vpn setting because google was banned in china mm-hmm. and i just went there and done it right and i said hey these are all experiences and here's a trick i i tell people if you are now dying and you write your life backwards what's that life going to be what's the bio going to be All right and how is it going to be how's your linkedin page going to look how's your autobiography going to look right and i said hey here's a guy who took every risk and everything in the world and i just went around the world got things done went to a unique country and that bio looks great now mm-hmm. but at that time it was all risk so it's almost the ability to live life looking backwards than looking forward and that kind of parallel shift is very important mm-hmm. i believe And now now you've been, you know, in business for a longer time. I'm sure you've had a bunch of conversations, you've developed a, a network around it. Um maybe we can talk about this a little bit later, but knowing now the the business and uh, the business uh space as you do, what are obstacles that you can predict that young researchers can have when transitioning? you know because you've known the other space now you you really know this space you know well what are what are like ad, what is advice that you can give people of you know common mistakes that you can make coming straight from a postdoc or a phd to to something in industry what are what are things to look out for and what are best practices to follow to make that transition and to have you know productive conversations once you start making it Yeah so the first thing i say analysis a uh, paralysis by analysis <laughs> yeah paralysis by analysis when you're from an educated background or a data driven background you are paralyzed because you have the ability to go f- and this is a benefit sometimes but you have 15 steps ahead looking at every data every point and you need to do so but once you keep doing that keep doing you talk yourself down so david <laughs> There's almost a battle on a daily basis or an hourly basis in my head. There's a this is a question I get. Can that street uh, smart Pradeep do I bring him up or do I bring that PhD Oxford Harvard Pradeep up? Right? And and it comes down to risk appetite and almost every time I take a risk is that street smart Pradeep who's taking those questions. You know, it, I say life is black and white for most but I operate in the gray right and <laughs> operate in the gray is very very important right and so you know I said to people I've seen street hustlers to nobel prize winners to billionaire ceos the first thing I talk about is risk appetite they all take risk and once you are highly educated or data driven is very important I'm not saying it's a bad thing but you tend to take less risk because you're trained to be risk averse because you're trained to look at data sets or even as an engineer you're trying to protect people's lives or physics work out the universe on data points mathematics and so forth um so you tend to analyze more and business is about is all comes down to risk the more risk you take in a calculated manner the bigger the reward right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but i always say you got to pull the trigger uh, and there's a quote i put on linkedin risk does not re- equal reward risk plus speed equals reward and confidence mm-hmm. the quicker you do it and execute right and you work things out so i tell the students and phd's if you want to go into business take the risk but you're clever enough and you're adaptable and flexible enough to overcome problems mm-hmm. so if you take that risk you overcome problems quicker because you have the phd background so that's the biggest thing i see is that people a don't start the business or once they start the business they're very scared to take the risks to grow it. And and would you say that because we've studied all these years, 
that another error might be hmm, what I need is another degree, like an MBA, for example. Yes. Oh, by the way, I I, I fell into this thing. Um, um, so I was doing business uh, VP and stuff. I got into Cambridge uh, for MBA. So I could have had the trio. Um, um, and then, you know, I went to other EMBA courses and stuff, uh, entrepreneur courses. And I said, oh, wait, pull back now. And then I said, hey, is this your ego now? Mm -hmm. Is this, what is it? Then I went to taster sessions. Again, during my journey in life, I always go, you know, I don't know if you read my, you can video, uh, video, look at my podcast. You know, I always put a suit on, went to Oxford, went to Harvard. I felt the environment. Mm -hmm. So I said, let me do the same thing. I went to business schools, felt the environment and said, let's be wise now. Why do you need this MBA? You actually got business experience. You actually got ability to do, look at data. You actually got these things. Um, so I said, okay, the only missing thing is a network. But if you're in a Western society and a Montreal or London or whatever, you've got Eventbrite, you've got, um, you've got um, apps that can give you business networking events mm -hmm. in your local community. So you go to those. You make your local connections, then you make your national connection, you build a business, and you have influence through that. So those are the things. So I personally decided that MBA is not for me. But MBAs might be needed. I mean, if you do a PhD and go to a corporate setting, I don't know, you're lucky enough for Google or Facebook or someone or L'Oreal or whatever, right, to actually take you up. Then you might say, hey, for, I might need an MBA to compete with others. That's very important. I'm not taking detracting with you. But if you're a real entrepreneur, grinder, start your own company, going up, you don't need an MBA. Um, and if the MBA comes, If it's if it's free, exactly. if it's part time, if you can do it, by all means do it. By all means do it. Um, but it's not it's not the do all um, because trust me, if you walk into a room and we have PhD, it's more than enough. Yeah, and you could even be paid to do your MBA, like you kind of alluded to it. But within the organization you're in, if it's really necessary, so yeah, it's, I'm, I'm happy that that's your point of view because. Uh, it can be uh, an error to say, okay, I have this degree, this degree. Now to change spaces, I need another degree. And, it, and it's not true. If you have an idea, if you have this, it's kind of also business instinct is, is, you know, is part of it. But then there's also getting together with other people who have skills that you don't have to start a business. There's, there's many ways to go about it than paying, that spending all that time and, and, and money to get this other degree. And I guarantee people listening to this, if you have an idea and you make the money, trust me, you'll be in a space saying, I can hire MBAs. I don't need an MBA, right? It, it, the money is a tool to accelerate what you give you freedom to work on what you want, right? And um, so don't be fooled and say the MBA is the dual because you already have the ability to do amazing things because you're doing a PhD. Most people listening are doing PhDs here or are postdocs. So you all are all already are special beings. You already have the ability. Uh, don't be, don't let the ego, don't something uh, put you down because you don't have a certain qualification. And it comes down to mindset as well. Because one day I'm telling you, David, sometimes I'm walking and there's 20 year olds who are multi, multi, millionaires into the hundreds and 200 millions right yeah, yeah. and they have and there's no phd there's no degree there's hardly in high school education so forth and, and i'm not comparing i love these guys i coach them sometimes as well they're very good and it means nothing in the big grand scheme of things it's another way for the system to quantify yeah <laughs> phd mba it's another way i mean it, it's there's there's dozens of you Okay, let's. Uh, I'm gonna be very open on this now. There's dozens of us. There's a hundreds, millions of PhDs and MBAs and so forth. You need to have value proposition, unique uh, selling points. It's true. Now we're we're getting to the 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 end of the of this conversation, and I kind of want to kind of want to give you a sum a summary of of the main take homes that I have as of yet. And the first one is don't stay isolated in your research. Uh, and and that makes me think that, and you just mentioned it even for the MBA, one of the big things that people have missing at the end of their journey through graduate school is a network that is not uh, academic only. So that would be the first point. And do you have some advice on that point of on on how to start building up 
a more varied network earlier on than just like at the end of your PhD or while you're in your postdoc? What are good ways to just start adding some different people to that that kind of gamut of people that you already have in in your in your network as a PhD? Yeah, so three things. Number one, uh, improve your LinkedIn profile. Start connecting uh, as soon as possible. Grow your audience, right? Number two, if you're in a city that's populated or nearby or whatever, go out and meet business leaders at events. Yes. Go out to your local council or political events or some business leaders or politicians or say, hey, if even if you're very in an isolated town, go to your local shop and say to the owner, how did you start? Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Make those networks very. And, and the third thing I'll say is I'm a bit um, cautious about passion. Right. I think passion is like this. Yeah. But if you're interested in something like the gym or I don't know, some kind of sport or something, go with those networks and say, hey, who's my friend circles in those networks who are not doing PhDs? Keep them very separated. Right. Don't mix mix them up. I mean, if your birthday, invite them. Don't be sad. <laughs> but <laughs> keep them separate, right? But make sure seeing how these individuals thinking compared to these individuals, mm-hmm. how their mindset thinking. It's about what can I learn from this mindset compared to this mindset? What's the be- benefits of these mindsets, right? And say, how can I mingle with these two and learn different things? So then what you're doing is following a passion or a hobby and meeting individuals with the same mindset. And then you ask the question, how can I use something from this audience that's required to actually start a business? Who can I team with? Uh, you know, uh, uh, and it might be simple things like, can, I mean, if you're doing a sport, can we do data analysis different for an event mm-hmm. or some, something that comes in and so we talk to different mindsets, and but keep them very separated mm-hmm. um, because then you realize that, oh, there are other individuals who might not be as educated or as um, traditional in a sense of thinking, but they're thinking differently. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a beautiful thing. Once you realize how creative and people think uh, and you can understand how a person thinks about thinking, uh, you're in a beautiful space because then you value everyone around you. Then you like, analyze all the environment and you see everyone's strengths. And you you see their weakness, but you see their strengths more. Mm-hmm. And that's when you're really, really aware of your environment. I love it. And now you just mentioned something uh, in, when you when you just started to answer, which was building an audience. And and growing a network is something. To build an audience, you need to to create to put content out there. And you were talking in the beginning, and this is kind of part two of my take home messages: is have a, a side interest or a side hustle during your young researcher journey. For me, the ones that I that I've been talking about and that are quite straightforward and that don't take too much uh, commitment are, you know, having a blog, you know, having uh, a Twitter account that you really work on and where you're creating this presence and accruing this audience. When you think of side hustles, what are you thinking of? Like ideas that people can do to to enrich and to keep this awareness a, a wider awareness while they're doing their their PhD. Yeah, I mean, I've started uh, aggressively growing my LinkedIn audience just recently. I wish I'd done more during my PhD. I really did. But I, you don't know what you don't know. And I didn't know this world existed. And I'm, I'm very happy that I took all the risks. So blogs and audiences are one thing, YouTube channels, podcasts. I think the fame or the thought leadership is not for everyone. Um, and that's very important. What What anyone can do is sit at home and look at e-commerce, growing a small brand online, a shop that with their passions, if you like honey, organic honey, or if you like a certain kind of sportswear, can you make a something that you think is lacking? Or if you're annoyed at a pan, can you make a different handle? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think you can look at certain things and have a side hustle as a business. You can actually go and say, hey, um, let's do a podcast. Let's do a um, audience growth or whatnot. I think those are two things. Also, just build a live community without uh, not being out there. Just physically with um, in like a social group in a local social group. So you have a local support, and then someone you're becoming a point of contact for someone to say, "Hey, can you build a network around you?" Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's very important. You know, that's what I'm doing now in London, where I'm actually growing a small boutique. Uh, 
business group um, on the side because this is what I like doing. I like talking. I like to inspire. I like to motivate and also help young people. Um, so that's what I'm doing as well. But that's not online. That's offline. That's very personable. So you can do a, a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, just I think the secret is how would you use your spare time and what would you do to make money if no one's giving you any attention? I think that's the question people have to ask. Yeah, uh, I, I really love it. And actually, I'm going to take this moment because uh, I want to ask you how people can reach out to you. But why this moment particularly? And I haven't, there's a, there's a last take home message that I want to share. But here I would ask if people have ideas, if people are, you know, during their PhD or in their postdoc and have these ideas uh, that they would like to discuss with you. First, would you be open to discuss it with them? And second, where is the best place to find you and talk with you? Oh, yeah, I'm very open with any ideas, anyone around the world. Um, I love it. I love I love um, helping people. So name's very long, but it's, uh, uh, you can, I, I don't know if it's on, the, probably at the bottom of the YouTube channel. So Pradeep Kumar Sasidharan, yeah, on LinkedIn. It's PK Sasidharan on Instagram and Twitter p.k.sasidharan um, or it's pks at donsville.com which is my email so twitter insta linkedin they're all good uh, platforms to reach out to you i do uh, so i can tell you i can uh, uh, share with people listening or watching how nice and how uh, easygoing uh, pradeep is and how how easy it was to communicate with him and, and set up this interview, for example, but also spend this hour, you know, just exploring this whole question. But now my my last one, my last take home message. I feel, and tell me if you if, if you think it, it's a good trio with what I just said. I feel it's risk taking, and uh, because I feel it's kind of the key to this whole this whole uh, uh, vistas the vistas that you're trying to open to us of. Uh, ensuring yourself that you have as many possibilities after your degree um, is these two that we said, creating a network, uh, like building a network, creating an audience potentially. Uh, well, there's also the, 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 the side hustle, but creating an audience could be part of that. And then risk-taking. Do you have a, a last like word uh, on, on that? You know, knowing that it's something that's hard for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so the last word is probably three points for young graduate postdoc looking at this podcast. Number one, question your ego and say, what is my identity? Can I change it? Uh, the third, going back upwards, right? Second is probably uh, it's going to be a lot of failures when you change your career. Don't worry about it because you're learning. Just like in the lab, if you're failing in the experiment, you're learning. And number one, whatever you do, it comes down to risks. And take those risks. Um, don't worry about it. You'll be, you'll be better off. When you look back, you'll be better off. Um, and, yeah, you'll be fine. If, if, if anything happens, just, just blame me and contact me, and, <laughs> and I'll be there. It's, inter- I'll be it's there interesting you that guys. you say that because, of course, uh, taking risks uh, all alone is, is even more difficult. But this is part of the of – the ensemble of take-home messages and one of the part is having a network so of course if you're launching yourself into business try to have to have a network that you can kind of fall back onto for advice for mentorship uh you you shouldn't go it alone Uh, and and now even pradeep is here offering to reach out to him if you have uh if you have uh, having some issues or questions or just a, a, a wish to do something that you don't feel totally sure um get get this uh this support from from your network and allow yourself to to do these calculated risks and uh and to you know break into new territory that would be my yeah. my last word pradeep this has been right. great i think it's going to be very inspiring there's uh the people who are watching are look to look to me f- by the comments that i see uh to be uh, uh that it's it, that it's resonating with them, and I and I really feel that it's an episode that's going to resonate with a lot of people. I hope it's it's it'll bring some hope for people who are like thinking, "Oh my God, uh, what's what happens after?" You know, and and are and are feeling lost, like you said. Uh, hope and inspiration, and uh, also that uh, it's a start of uh, 
great conversations around this issue, which is not easy, but uh, I started having it with you, and now you've opened up to have it with anyone who wants to reach out to you, and, and I think it's, uh, it's very generous of you, and I am really grateful for it. Well, thank you very much. Uh, it, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's really, really refreshing for me to talk to this community particularly because I'm, uh, it, it's a community that I, I, I feel very connected to um, and it's good to go back. Um, what happens is life goes on. The world goes on. Um, just make sure that you you, you you go on with it and you just hit um, certain things on the head um, <laughs> exactly. and, and succeed. Exactly. All right. Pradeep, thank you so much for having been here. Uh, and uh, to anyone who's watching live, thank you. It's always really appreciated. And I see your comments there, uh, Tohid and Asif. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much. If you are listening to, to the podcast when it comes out, um, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. If you like video uh, better, go to the YouTube channel. Uh, you'll, you just need to look for Papa PhD and you'll find it. And, uh, and yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for being in the audience. If you have any questions after this, you can reach out either to me at david at papaphd.com or to, to Pradeep on LinkedIn or Twitter uh, in the links that I'll share in the show notes. We, it'll be a pleasure for us to respond. And, uh, and um, yeah, you can even inspire us for other conversations and other episodes. So don't hesitate. Papa PhD is a labor of love. If you like the show and have found value in it, you can pay it forward by donating to help other people like you hear Papa PhD. Even a $5 one-time donation will be really appreciated. So go to papaphd.com forward slash support to donate or to papaphd.com forward slash Patreon to become a patron. Your support will help me cover the cost of hosting, equipment, and other recurring expenses needed to bring you a high-quality show week after week. Thank you for your support. I am David Mendez. See you next week.